We all thought Craig Council was going to be the next manager of the New York Mets. What happened? How did they end up with Carlos Mendoza instead? I'll explain it all on today's edition, Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, the crazy managerial moves around baseball. Craig Council goes to the Cubs. What happened? Talk about that in the first segment and why the Mets might be better off because if he didn't want to be the Mets manager, well, probably don't want him to be. In the second segment, we'll talk about the guy that actually hired Carlos Mendoza. Is it a good fit? We'll go through that. And then in the final segment, a little player news. Adam Adovino opted out of his contract to hit free agency. A little bit of a surprising move there as well. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, Follow me on X at Ficklestein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. So what happened? We all expected Craig Council to go to one of two or maybe three places. There was this Guardians thing that was hanging in the background. Then there was the New York Mets, right? The team that was going to overpay him. The team that was going to let him become the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball. And then there was the Brewers, the team he'd been with all the Wisconsin ties, is he just going to stay home and take their best offer or are the Brewers going to pony up and pay him? That was the storylines, and that's what we thought was going to happen. Nobody foresaw the Chicago Cubs coming over the top and grabbing Craig Council, but that's exactly what happened. And I'm here to tell you that the Mets are better off, which seems like a reactionary opinion to now, in hindsight, with Craig Council, the manager of the Cubs, for me to suddenly retract when I had done shows preaching about why Craig Council would be the perfect fit for the Mets, why he would work hand-in-hand with David Stearns, a guy who is widely regarded as one of the best managers in baseball that could come in and make the Mets a winner. But here's the thing. For him to be the perfect fit for the New York Mets job, he had to want the New York Mets job. And what's now been made clear through how all this fell out, he never wanted the New York Mets job. And for him, he got an offer that was the best of both worlds. It's my understanding at this point from everything I've read and just connecting the dots from what's happened, that there was two things that were important to Greg Council in this search. Two things. Number one, and priority number one, Setting that new bar for managers. Union guy, they've talked about that. He wanted to raise that bar for what the top manager in the game gets paid. And he was hitting the market as the top manager of the game. And just like the the union for players wants those guys to get out to the open market and set that bar and raise it further and take more money from the owners to to, establish a a new uh, pay grade for the next guy. 
he had to do the same thing as a manager, doing the right thing to all those that come after him. That was priority one. One of that big money. Priority two was staying close to home. I think if everything breaks absolutely right for Craig Council, the Milwaukee Brewers aren't penny pinchers, and he ends up signing a contract to end up back in Milwaukee. Maybe it would have just been a little bit more than the the Dave Roberts bar of six and a half million. Maybe he would have gone back at 35 million to Milwaukee, but that offer was never going to come from them. And honestly, I, in my head, took the Brewers out of their running for Craig Council when they traded Mark Canna over the weekend. Because Mark Canna on an $11.5 million deal is great value. And he was really good for them in the stretch run. For them to not only avoid you know, picking up that option, but to be so quick to find any trade destination to get him off their books where they didn't even have to pay him a $2 million buyout on that option, to me, showed how cheap the Brewers are. And so I was thinking, are they going to really pony up and pay Craig Council? That's where I started thinking, okay, by default, he's going to end up with the Mets. But what happened here is in the meetings that Craig Council had with Mets Brass, they didn't get the sense that he really wanted to be there. Or not necessarily didn't want to be there. I, I, should, I should change that characterization because it didn't say that he was going through interviews uh, like a, a kid who was, uh, you know, you know, getting taken to a field trip they didn't want to be on. It wasn't exactly like that, but they got the sense that they were being used for leverage, which is what I talked about on that special uh, bonus edition I recorded in my sister's garage on Friday night. You know, where there was that report that uh, he would take, uh, he won't take a hometown discount for the Brewers, but he would go back there if they met the asking price, right? So they got that sense and they did not want to be used as just simply the team that drives up the price. Steve Cohen, while he's spending a lot, he doesn't want to just become some doormat that people go to to have them drive up the cost on free agents, whether managerial or you know players, and then they just sign with other teams. He needs to also make sure that the people that want to come to the Mets actually want to come to the Mets. It's not strictly financially based. So they offered him a contract that was apparently far less than what he ends up getting from the Cubs. The Cubs, meanwhile, Jed Hoyer, their president of baseball operations, has long admired Craig Council. He's watched him up close in that division. He has long marveled at the in-game decisions of Council, how he consistently gets more out of his roster than he theoretically should, and how that team in Milwaukee continued to be at the top of that division for so many years. And basically said, even though I have David Ross, I'm going to meet with him secretly, not really tell anybody about it, and come over the top with an offer to poach Craig Council and, and to you know, end up kind of just completely uh, blindsiding David Ross, who thought he was safe, and all of a sudden is out of a job. We'll see if he ends up landing somewhere else. But it's a cold-hearted move from Jed Hoyer, but they believe he's worth it, and, and maybe he is. $40 million. Actually, they say over $40 million on a five-year deal. That's $8 million per season that he got with the Cubs. Who knows what the Mets offer was, but it wasn't that. And this isn't the Mets being cheap. This is the Mets reading the room and understanding that this guy wanted to stay close to home. And the Cubs come in, and it's the perfect counter that he needed, the perfect 
landing spot where he's able to get both of the things that he won. He gets the money and Chicago and Milwaukee. They're not that far away. It's funny. I actually found out all this news as I'm preparing to leave my sister's house and just ironically enough lives in the Chicago area. So I was flying out and everything's happening, of course, because here was a week's long wait to find out who the Mets manager was going to be. And it happens about an hour and a half before I had to board a plane. So I was scrambling and that's why I'm recording this at now one o'clock Eastern time after I finally read all the reporting and got my head around it. But that drive, I've done it from my sister's house to a Brewers game. It's about an hour and a half that she lives outside Chicago. I don't know the exact distance, but you're talking about a couple of hours for Craig council to still be able to be there for his family and all the ties he has in Wisconsin, but to get paid more than any other manager in major league baseball. And that's what it comes down to. It's just that simple. He could talk about how much he was swayed by what the Cubs have coming up in the pipeline as an organization, all that. That's not what happened here. It was money location. That's it. Dead set. Bottom line. If Craig Council didn't want to manage the New York Mets, if he didn't see the vision of what David Stearns is ready to put in place and the, the financial backing of Steve Cohen, he didn't want to come be part of it, then no matter how good of a manager he is, he was not the right fit. And hopefully they found the right fit in Carlos Mendoza. I want to touch a little bit more on council as it relates to that. And then segue into what Mendoza brings to the table as the Mets manager in just a minute. Before we get to any of that though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. I hope you didn't bet the money line on the New York Jets tonight. Didn't go out well for the Jets as they continue to struggle to put the ball in the end zone. But hey, there's other teams. You can find a favorite this weekend. Put that $5 money line bet on them. And if they win, you get the 150 bucks. Not to mention, if you're thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time because not only is it the NFL season, got the NBA season, got college sports. There's so much there on the app for you to see. It's very easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. So if you want to kick off the NFL season or get in on the NBA action, visit FanDuel.com slash on. Put that $5 money line bet down. If you win, $150 in bonus bets. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Do you want to become a Locked On Mets insider? We now have the new texting program where you can have one-on-one communication with me. So when the Mets end up hiring Carlos Mendoza, the first thing I did is I sent a subtext about it and I was communicating with my Locked On Mets insiders reacting to the news. It's great to be able to have that one-on-one engagement with so many of you everyday listeners. I've really enjoyed it. If you want to become a Locked On Mets insider, you can find a the link in the episode description or you can go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. Now, to, to close the book on council, I'm not saying he's a bad manager. I'm certainly not saying that. I'm not saying that he wouldn't have succeeded in the role if he wanted to become the Mets manager. But the last thing they needed to do is to overpay to sign Craig Council to a five-year, $50 million deal, just blow everyone out of the water, 
for him to come in, then have all the pressure of that contract to be, you know, halfway across the country from his family when he didn't really want to be, which is clear now through what happened that that was not uh, the, the goal for him, for him here. He, he, again, he wanted to get paid, but he didn't want to come to New York. I think that's just kind of abundantly clear at this point because otherwise he might've entertained the idea of winning with the Mets a little bit more. I might've thought about you know, what the roster could be and how Steve Cohen was going to invest in the team. And he might've heard David Stern's vision. And, and maybe bought into it. But if he was always just looking at money and then also thinking about ah, family ties, that leads him to go down the road on the Cleveland Guardians job, which is still closer to home. And ultimately, when the Chicago Cubs opportunity presents itself, he was all in on it. So, again, if he didn't want to come to New York, that would not be the right guy to manage your team. Because guess what? If he doesn't really want to be there and he's in it but not – in it wholeheartedly and the Mets start off bad. And there's the pressure of that contract. I mean, that contract could have become an anchor around his neck. And I think in Chicago, it's not going to be, I don't think that the, the pressure is going to be quite the same and it's a division he's very familiar with. So that, that even makes it so much easier on him as far as being a manager. It really is the perfect fit for the Cubs for the Mets. They hope that Carlos Mendoza is the perfect fit. And I can sit here and tell you all the great things about Carlos Mendoza. And in fact, I'm about to do that. But if I was to tell you right now, if I was looking to the camera and say, this guy is a slam dunk, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be an amazing manager. I'd be lying to you because I didn't know Carlos Mendoza's name two weeks ago. And if any of you think that you did, you're probably lying to yourselves. Maybe you follow a lot of Yankees baseball and knew he was their bench coach. Maybe you tuned into a game when Aaron Boone got ejected and remembered, oh, yeah, that guy Mendoza took over. Nobody knew who this guy was, okay? So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've been dying for Carlos Mendoza to be the Mets manager for years now. It's not the case. But what you read is intriguing. What you read is a profile that fits what the Mets need in this job, a guy that's Still young when it comes to being a manager, only 43 years old. So he's going to bring a completely different vibe from Buck Showalter. You're going from guy who's been doing the job forever to a first-time manager. And that might concern you. You might want the veteran manager. Council would have been that. But all these guys need a first job. And it's not like Mendoza was only interviewing for the match job. He was in it for all the jobs that were out there. When he was a finalist for almost every job he seemed to interview for. Every day we're hearing another report. Carlos Mendoza is a finalist for the Padres. It seems like if he didn't end up with the Mets, the Brewers were ready to give Mendoza that job. So this guy was going to manage somewhere. And he, with all the options at his disposal, he could have gone to the Brewers. Apparently he's making $4.5 million. That's what SNY reported. It's $4.5 million, and that's not per season. That's over a three-year deal with a fourth-year club option. The Guardians could have afforded that. The Padres, even though they're siphoning money by the second, they could have afforded that. Any of these teams could have conceivably afforded that. So Mendoza had his pick of the litter. He still could have taken that Brewer's job. Could have said, all right, that Brewer's job, it's a... you know, less pressure uh, to team that just won the division. They certainly had a better year than the Mets did this past year. Maybe a farm system that's on the rise, whatever you want to say about that Brewers job. He 
wanted this job. He was in New York already with the Yankees as their bench coach. So he has some experience in the market. He was a career minor leaguer, didn't ever make it to the big leagues, but had a long minor league career, played independent baseball, then worked his way up through the Yankees system as a coach, managed at different stops, has managed in winter ball, was a coach on the uh, Venezuelan team for the World Baseball Classic. He is a native Venezuelan, he, which also is of note because Francisco Alvarez from Venezuela. So there is a connection there that would be pretty easy to make. And then also Andres Jimenez, who Mets fans are familiar with. He got his start in the Mets organization, played on the 2020 season, and then was traded for Francisco Lindor. He was on the Foul Territory podcast, and he had – a lot of positive things to say about Mendoza, calling him really professional. Then he speaks both languages perfectly, which is always a nice added benefit uh, for your manager to be able to communicate with the Latin players. Uh, and as well as, of course, um, you know, the American players. He says he takes the game very seriously, knows the infield really well, just spoke very highly of him. Then there's Aaron Boone, who has seen Mendoza up close as his bench coach for four seasons now, who gave an interview to Andy Martino of SNY, and he said all the things that you want to hear. He says, quote, he's the real deal. He's smart. He's tough. He's prepared. He works his butt off. He's a very loyal person. He has a great family, and I can count on him always. He has grown into the job. He has earned this opportunity. Uh, smelling the winds over the last month, I thought he was going to get one of these jobs because people were seeing what I've seen. The only thing people can say is that he doesn't have experience, but he has managed in the minors. He's been a bench coach. He's managed in the in, uh I guess they, they put in this quote that I just took from S and Y, I guess they put he's managing the minors twice. Uh, he's done winter ball. He has more than paid his dues. And he, they also said that he's, he's confident. He's open-minded in tune with everything. In the game, great deal with players, not afraid to debate. He's willing to push back, but also is open-minded knows that he doesn't know everything. Aaron Boone's not going to say anything bad about Carlos Mendoza. And he probably doesn't have anything bad to say. And everyone in the Yankees organization feels the same way. He was highly respected from where he was at. Does that mean that he is going to be an amazing manager? We have no idea. He still has to manage. And there's, of course, some inherent risk in that. But the thing about this process is the Mets had to find the right guy to work with David Stearns and to work you know, under the umbrella that Steve Cohen has laid throughout this entire organization. Now it's David Stearns is the main signal caller, but Cohen's still involved. So, Mendoza impressed those guys enough that he was the clear favorite from their process that they went through. They interviewed a bunch of people and Mendoza won out that sweepstakes council because of his background, because of what he's done in the job. If he wanted the Mets uh, position, yes, he would have gotten it because he was the surefire thing, so to speak. But there was only one of those guys in the market. And if that guy didn't want to be your manager, you, you can't cry over spilled milk on that. You had to find the next best guy. And they believe this is the next best guy. And in my opinion, at this point, the current front office, which is brand new, has not done anything to make you distrust them yet. And you have to believe in their judgment here that they made the right call. So I'm excited to see Carlos Mendoza speak to the media for the first time. And then we can start to form our own opinions on the guy because we still never really heard him talk yet, um, particularly in a setting as being the Mets manager. So I look forward to that. Um, and until then, I will, I guess, again, reserve all judgment. 
Anyway, uh, to close the show, a, a roster move that is pretty significant. Adam Adovino will not be back. So I want to touch on that before we close. Uh, before we do, though, another word from our sponsors. Like I alluded to in the last segment, there will be plenty of time to continue to discuss the decision that the Mets had made by hiring Carlos Mendoza and to find out how he's going to fit in this organization. Uh, So we will table that for another day. Now let's just focus squarely in on a pretty surprising move. Adam Adovino opting out of a player option that was going to pay him north of $6 million, but there was heavy deferrals in that contract, $4 million to be exact, which was very beneficial to the Mets when it came to the luxury tax. Adam Adovino has decided that he is going to instead hit free agency. In an article by The Athletic, Adam Adovino was cited uh, talking about the uncertainty around the franchise, that he you know, had great trust in the organization when he signed that two-year deal, and a lot of things have unfolded since that have just made him a little bit wary about oh, what his long-term future is going to be with the team, or particularly how this next season was going to be with the New York Mets. There was just too much up in the air. His manager, Buck Showalter, was fired. Billy Epler stepped away. Those were the people that Adam Adovino was fostering relationships with, and now they were both gone. Also, there's been reporting that he was looking to do away with the deferrals in his contract. He even was thinking about taking less money uh, to get rid of those deferrals. Let's just say Adam Adovino came to David Stearns and company with his uh, representatives and said, hey, I'll take $5.5 million. So I'll take, or maybe it was, you know, five and a quarter. So a million dollars less, but I want it all up front. I don't want any of these deferrals. If you're the Mets and that hurts you on the luxury tax more. Also, if you're maybe thinking, oh, he's he's going to opt out. He's in his late thirties. And maybe that is money that can be spent on other relievers. And maybe you notice that his strikeouts were down and his walks were up. And he certainly wasn't the same dominant reliever he was in 2022 and 2023. Yes, he put up a low three ZRA, but I don't think anybody who watched the Mets this season saw Adam Adovino pitching and thought that's the same guy that was lights out last year. It's just a little bit of a different dude. So you say, no, we're going to keep the contract as it is. If you want it, take it. If not, hit the market and we'll talk to you when you hit free agency. And even Adam Adovino said in that piece to The Athletic that, hey, Nimmo went back out into the market, ended up coming back to the Mets, wasn't closing that door shut. But basically, that renegotiation of the contract, he didn't like what he heard. Uh, He was also maybe looking for an additional year getting thrown into that contract. Didn't happen. And with that lack of maybe interest coming from the Mets' direction in changing the terms or bringing him on on a longer-term deal, he thought, okay, I'll negotiate with all these teams, which makes sense at the stage of his career that he's at. Oh, maybe the Texas Rangers want you. You can latch on to a team that just won the championship and have a better shot at a title. Maybe a team's going to offer him a two-year deal worth you know, $10 million, all guaranteed, no deferrals. That's a better contract than the one he was on, especially at his age. If he gets two years, of course it's a better deal to opt out. So in some respects, it sucks because... He was one of the relievers you could at least count on. You thought, all right, they have 
Diaz, Adavino, and Rayleigh. But now they're just going to have to replace more guys in free agency or in trades. And look, David Stearns has done a great job in the past of building out bullpen. So again, similar to the managerial decision, I'm just going to trust the decision maker. I think Stearns will figure it out. And if he didn't think that Adam Adovino was worth renegotiating on that contract, probably uh, is the right decision. Or at least I will trust that it's the right decision. We'll see how Adovino pitches this year. Maybe it was the wrong call. Maybe they should have removed the deferrals and kept them. Or maybe they're going to take that money and sign two different relievers. That'll both pop, and it'll be a better allocation of resources. Again, it's all just a wait-and-see mode. Other things that happen of note, the Mets claim to player Zach Short off waivers from the Tigers. Honestly, a move I don't really get. He is a New York native, can play all over, be a utility man, but hasn't really hit much. Uh, pretty bad OPS this year. I think it was in like the 630s. Let me look that up for sure. Uh, he played you know, pretty much everywhere this past season, but you know, again, numbers aren't great. Yes, 631 OPS, hit 204, 292 on base, uh, 339 slug, had seven home runs and 253 plate appearances. Uh, there's a little bit of pop there, but not a ton. I, I don't like... To me, is Zach Short head and shoulders better than Guillaume is? Not necessarily. He does bring the ability to play the outfield, and uh, maybe that's a better fit on the roster, but there's no options that I saw when I checked this Fangrass page. So I believe they'd have to keep him on the major major league roster, and uh, something tells me he's not going to make it um, all the way through spring training on that roster. But, hey, we'll wait and see. Uh, lastly, Bryce Montes de Oca is still going to remain with the Mets. That was pretty big news. Uh, it was a little bit nerve-wracking that they did not keep him on the 40-man roster, even though he did undergo Tommy John surgery. He's a guy that has a really, really intriguing profile with the fact that he was you know, touching like 104 and living at 102. Nasty stuff. A guy that could be a really good high-leverage reliever one day. Uh, Tommy John surgery, really unfortunate that it derailed that, but now he stays in your organization anyway. Uh, so the Mets made the right call to push him through waivers. Did not blow up in their face. Uh, we'll see if him and uh, Penn Murphy can both come back off TJ and be key cogs in the 2025 bullpen. David Stearns has done a great job building out the 2025 bullpen. Not quite started yet on that 2024 bullpen, which is you know, in a tad bit more pressing uh, this offseason for him to accomplish. But hey, free agency is only opening today. So uh, give him some time to work. That's what we'll be talking about throughout the rest of the week, though. Free agency has begun. Uh, there's a lot to, to sort of go through on tomorrow's show. I want to discuss if there's any player that got a qualifying offer that is worth it for the Mets to negotiate with, to give up that comp pick for and to sign. So we'll get into those guys. You know, Aaron Nola, Cody Bellinger are sort of the most prominent ones in that list. Shohei Otani, of course, uh, that's a no-brainer if you could sign him. But I'll, I'll go through all that at length on tomorrow's show. And we'll be keeping our eyes out for Carlos Mendoza's introductory press conference, where I will, as always, when we get a press conference like that, give you guys my key takeaways. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. I'm trying to make a push to 10,000 subs, so appreciate all of you who hit subscribe. And if you want to become a Locked On Mets insider, you can find the link 
in the episode description, or you can go to subtext.com slash locked on mats.